Well, let me give you some encouraging words tonight. So get your Bible out. I said get your Bible out. There we go. Go to Psalms 100. No, don't go to that yet. Um, just throw it open. <clears throat> okay, I'm just going to combine a bunch of stuff tonight because i got so much I want to say, so I'm just going to start throwing stuff out there. I don't know where it's at, what message it fits with. You're just going to get it. So I talked to you all a couple of weeks ago about your purpose in life. And then I was talking to you about uh, Sunday, about God brought you out so he can take you in. God doesn't just leave you. God doesn't just save you so he, and just leaves you. That he, he saves you so that there's something that can be done. There's something he wants to do with you. He wants to take you out of Egypt and take you into the promised land. He wants to take you out of bondage into freedom. Amen? He always got something for you. God's always ha God always has something for you. You realize that, no matter where you are in life. If you were, a, you know, if you're a teenager or if you're, you know, a senior, it doesn't make any difference. God still has something for you every day. God has something planned every day. He's not looking at your life like, oh, okay, they're at, they're at retirement age, and so let's just leave them alone. Are you with me? He always has a purpose for you. He always has something for you. Maybe that smile. Maybe that something, 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 something. So. Uh, Look at, I know the scripture I want to go to now. Go to Galatians. Go to Galatians. We're going to start right here. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5.1. <clears throat> Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. He brought you out, but he brought you into liberty. Now, I understand. Look, you know, I don't care who you are. There are people in life that are always going to take things to an extreme. They're always going to take things, they're going to pull things out of text. They're always going to do this. There's always going to be crazy people in the world. There's always going to be extreme churches in the world. You know, I've been joking about that. I told y'all, I told you, I told you. It was prophetic. I told you there was going to be a church start out that was going to start serving communion with pot. And it's happened now. In Colorado, they have a communion, and it's all with pot. And I knew it was going to happen. I knew they were going to go there, because it doesn't make any difference where there is, what extremity there is. There's always going to be people, take it there. There's crazy people in the world all over the place. And so he said, look, I didn't leave you in bondage. I didn't leave you all bound up and warped and twisted and all this. I straightened you out in life, okay, so that I could then take you and give you liberty. And people are, like I said, they're going to abuse liberty, all right, no matter what it is. Great country of America we live in, people abuse liberty. But liberty, Jesus brought us out on liberty so that we could be free for a reason, so that we could be his vessels used for his service, right? Because you're, you know, I mean, really, <clears throat> if, I mean, if you're so bound up with chains and shackles in your own life, it's going to be hard to get somebody else set free. You might could tell another person how to carry their ball and chain better, but that's not really what Jesus brought us out for, right? He brought us out not to understand if you pack the weights around on your shoulders differently. You can adjust it, and then you can walk better. No, no. He brought us to help set people free. You weren't were bound. Now you're free, so you're going to help somebody else be free, right? Okay, so the, the, the church at Galatia, they had, they had gotten into the liberty. They had gotten free. They were seeing miracles. They were seeing all kinds of great things going on, but then all of a sudden, they started go back, going back and living under the old law, right? And so they were living under the old law, so then they said, well, you, oh, you can't do that. No. 
Don't do that because remember it said in the old in the law that you couldn't do that. And so they started bringing themselves under bondage. You see, the problem with with going back to the old law is if you're going to start to use any part of it, you really got to use it all. So then we throw out love and we go back to an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Right? So, I mean, if you want to incorporate the doctrine of don't eat shellfish, now there may not be, your doctor may prescribe don't eat shellfish, and that may be a reason, there may be all kinds of science behind that, but if you take it to being of the letter of the law, well, then you have to go back to eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Okay? Because you've got to take it all. You don't get to pick and choose. It's everything under the law you had to keep. And that's, nobody's going to do that, okay? So the church at Galatia, they started doing that. They started saying, oh, well, if we're going to be really walk righteously before God, we need to do this. And so then Paul said, what are you doing? You're going back into bondage. You're supposed to be in liberty. You're supposed to stay in liberty. You're supposed to be free and free from the bondage. You're supposed to still be excited and free and happy and overjoyed and running up and down the street telling everybody what happened to you and how you got free and how Jesus loved you and he forgave you and woohoo. Okay, <clears throat> but then let's take it. If the devil can get you to go back into that kind of bondage, well, then he just gets you caught up with the busyness of the world. We talked about that, about stopping your purpose, uh, that the glitter of the world, okay? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the, all the glitter and the glory and the, the junk and the monk gets going on. The pressure of work, the pressure of success, the pressure of achieving this, the pressure of that gets upon you, and then you start to lose your focus again. It's as much bondage as if you went back and tried to keep the law because the bottom line is you're still not having the fellowship and the communion that you should with the Lord in doing what he wants you to do, right? Being sick can be a bondage, okay? Because if you're sick in bondage, then you've got to go to the doctor, then you've got to go to the pharmacist, and you've got to go get the prescription, then you've got to see when the prescription runs out, then you've got to go this and that and the other, and then you've got to see when's our next medical appointment. Oh, we can't go then because we've got to go back here, and we've got to go to the doctor then, and we've got to do this, and we've got to do that. And then, oh, wait, this, this just broke. <laughs> this piece just fell off of me, you know? And so then you just keep, so, and it ends up being bondage, all right? And then you fell around people that are sick, and then everybody talks about their sickness, and then you go through their sickness, and then why did they get their sickness? And then you go read it on the internet, and you said, oh my God, this is really horrible. And then you go back, and then before long, you're just all wrapped up in the heart. See, the devil just wants to trip you up in anything that he possibly can trip you up in. <clears throat> I, I, I read a quote by Winston Churchill, and I thought it was hilarious. It said, when you're 20 years old, you worry about what people think. When you're 40 years old, you stop worrying about what people think. And when you're 60 years old, you finally figure out nobody was thinking about you at all anyway. And I'm like, man, is that true? The thing you were all concerned about, you know, you finally quit worrying about, I'm not going to worry about what they're thinking about. And then you finally realize nobody was thinking about you anyway. There's not even anything to be discussed. And then I heard another one that said, the, the war in your mind stops when you quit thinking about it. And I thought, man, isn't that true? The war in your mind stops when you quit thinking about it. And so I thought, yeah, the devil is always trying to get you into something. He's always trying to get you, you know, you're miffed at this, you're miffed at that, or this isn't going right, or that isn't going right. When we forget that, you know, praise God, we're not headed to hell. I mean, we already got the greatest, <laughs> the greatest thing in the world. We're headed to heaven. We're forgiven of our sins. We stand in grace before God. The creator of this world wants to have fellowship with us, and we're mad at this. Right? He gets us over there. But that's what the devil does. He whispers in our ears to get us sidetracked so that we get over here 
all upset about this situation. Okay? I, I remember I, this is some of the, the miracle times in my life. You know, I, I remember moving into the worst house in Utopia. It was horrible. And we moved in there, and I thought, how in the world could God ever have us in this house? God, you must have forsaken me. Why would I be here? But this is the only place, and that's where we were, and it was just horrible, and there's roaches everywhere, and mice, and everything. So this is the worst thing you'd ever seen in your life. And we were there. But you know what I learned there? I learned faith. I learned how to, I learned how to defeat devils. I learned how to believe God for prosperity. I saw more miracles in those days. Is that not true? My daughter got baptized in the Holy Ghost there. I mean, I saw more amazing miracles flowing in, in, in that situation because, man, I was sucked to the coattail of God trying to survive. And then I remember we moved into a better house, and the well went out. And I remember calling and seeing what the well was going to cost to get fixed. It was going to cost $200. I didn't have $200. I didn't even close to $200. You might as well say $2 million. Maybe you have $200. And I'll never forget, I was just outside. I got on my knees at, right out in that pump shed, and I said, Lord, God, man. I mean, can't anything just be easy? Why in the world? Phone rings. Guy called me and said, hey, Robert, I've got too many hunters out. Would you be interested in going and taking a hunter out? I said, sure. And he says, I don't know what it'll pay, but, you know, they always give good tips. So I went out there, took this guy out. This guy said, I just really feel like I need to give you this. Give me $200. I went home. But those times in life, the devil wants to get us all caught up in, and we think, oh, that we're not going to get out of it. Oh, how's this going to change? Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Oh, whatever. But, you know, when I look back in my life, I can, I've gotten old enough where I can look back and say, man, you know, God delivered me out of all those things. I walked right through it. I walked through it. I didn't enjoy walking through some of it, but I walked right through it and got out on the other side. And glory learned and, 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 and grew and knew more about faith, you know, and we just forget it. We forget that. We, the devil wants to get us trapped back into bondage and forget the liberty that Jesus took us out of to bring us into, right? Took us out of the bondage to bring us into liberty. So there's no way you're going to ever get out of this. There's no way. There's no way it's ever going to end. There's no way it's ever going to stop. You're not going to all of a sudden step into, that's called heaven, and you died and you ceased from earth, okay? We'll all step through that somehow or get shot up or whatever, however it's going to work, Right? When Jesus comes back, or we go to heaven before that, but whatever happens, okay, you're not going to get through with those voices. You're not going to get through with the fight. You're not going to get through with the war. So you've got to prepare yourself. And the only way you can prepare yourself in all of this is to get your own thinking straight. It's the only way. There is no other way. There is no other way. There is no magic pixie dust. There's no magic holy water. There's no magic anything I can throw on you to make it all go away. It's that you have to get your thinking straight. Okay? So let me give you some scriptures here. I've got it right here on my Palm Pilot tonight. I heard from the Holy Ghost. He said, write these down. Tell them to preach this tonight. So here we go. Psalms 139. Go to Psalms 139.13. You've got to get your thinking straight. Some of you tonight, you may rejoice over this and say, oh my God, that's the greatest scripture in the world. Others of you tonight say, I don't know if I believe that, but you better believe it because it's in the Bible. It says, for you form my inward parts and you cover me in my mother's womb. Go to 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and all that my soul knows very well. My soul knows very well. In other words, how many times do you wake up? See, 
I, I don't know if I'd even should divulge this to you, but you know, I've been wrestling around all day. I've been working, been going this and that and the other. A lot of thoughts, a lot of things going on through my head, just zipping and zooming around and, and trying to figure out this and that and the other, ministry things, all these kind of different things and praying all that, you know. But when I came to church tonight, I didn't really have a message. I didn't have anything. I didn't know what the Lord really directly wanted to say. And so when we left the house, Laura said, are you ready to go? I said, I was born again ready. I said, I was born again ready. Just get me to the church. Get me behind the pulpit. And I have a hot word for everybody tonight. And she said, what is it? I said, I don't know. I got to get there first. Okay, sometimes in life, you just have to be the kind of person that steps out. You have to grab a hold of it and say, like what Psalms 139 says, man, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God created me in my mother's womb. I am, I am fearfully and wonderfully created in the image of God for a destiny and a purpose that only I can fulfill. I've got, I, that's what you called me for today, Lord. I, 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 when I wake up in the morning, man, hell is trembling. Heaven is rejoicing because I'm walking the face of the earth again. You say, well, I don't feel like it. Well, I don't either sometimes. But if you live your life ruled by your feelings and your emotions, you're never really walking the promises and purposes of God. So this scripture, Psalms 139, 13, and 14, is something you need to get down in your heart that you have a purpose. You were created for a purpose, okay? And you were wonderfully made for this purpose. You're all like me. I always wish I was taller. I've always wanted to be taller. But there ain't much I can do about it, okay? I mean, I don't even think lifts are going to help, right? But this is who I am. This is what I do. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But it's what's on the inside of me that counts. Hello? Let me give you the next one. Go to Jeremiah 29, 11. Scripture I'll know, but I want to bring something out to you here. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't get it all here. Wait a minute, Jake. Say at 139. Go over to uh, uh, verse 17. Well, he say, how precious also are your thoughts towards me, O God, and how great is the sum of them? Go to 18. If I should count them, I, they would be more than the number of the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Okay, so God says, listen, you got to understand, you're fearfully and wonderfully created. You're created for a purpose, and God is thinking about you. Whether you're thinking about him or not, he is thinking about you. God is thinking about you every day. He's got so many thoughts. He's been thinking about you that are not more than the number of the sand of the sea. You say, oh, well, that's just a, a metaphor, Pastor. Okay, well, then it means he's thinking a whole lot about you. Right? That's kind of hard to really comprehend, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, like you could have a lot of thoughts in a day about a loved one, we'll say. But more than could be numbered, the average woman speaks 50,000 words a day. So 50,000, if those words were turned into thoughts, 50,000 thoughts, they could be written down. They could be numbered. 50,000. The average man speaks 25,000. It's the truth. <laughs> My wife said that's because we have to repeat everything. <laughs> Always a smart echo in the bunch. So if you can imagine that, just, just try to grab that concept that if you, today you were talking a lot and you talked 50,000 words today, God had more thoughts about you than words you spoke today, okay? 
Now I jump over to Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, this is scripture we all know, but look again here, I want, to, I want to show it to you. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So, okay, so the thoughts that he thought towards you were all good thoughts. So you had any today, Nick, today, God had an innumerable number of good thoughts towards you. Now just think about this. I mean, come on, is the Bible true or not? Is this just a metaphor? Is this just nice words? Well, then why if he had more thoughts about you today that were good thoughts, thoughts of, of peace and evil, then why do we even listen to the devil to start out with? Why do we even let those words come into our ears? Why do we even entertain them? Why do we entertain thoughts of defeat, thoughts of, of, of loneliness, thoughts of sadness, thoughts of why do we even entertain those? Why do they have more of a voice in our head than the innumerable number of good thoughts God has towards us? And I'll tell you why. Because humanly, on a human level, just a human natural, I'm talking human level, not your spirit, not your soul, just your human level, we're closer to the devil than we are God. Because we're formed from Adam, we're formed out of the dirt. We're corruptible beings. So we actually kind of like associate with what he would think more than what we think God would think on a natural human level because you've lived in a corrupt world. So we got to do something about it. We have to change our thinking. We have to start learning what are these precious, what are these precious thoughts? What are these thoughts? These thoughts here of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. What are those thoughts, those innumerable number of thoughts? What are they? And start to get those down into us, into our ears, and start to hear those thoughts. Because then those thoughts begin to totally and completely change our life. Those thoughts begin to create us different on the inside because we're thinking differently because you know that you are backed by a God who loves you and cares for you. Go to Acts 17. So you really need to get these. Psalms 139, Jeremiah 29, you need to get these down your heart. Go to Acts 17, 26. And this is what he says. Paul says, And he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell in on the face of the earth and has determined there are pre-appointed times and the bounds of their dwellings. God knows right where you are, and you're supposed to be right where you are. The other day when I was down in Guatemala, there was this, there was this beautiful, I mean, we were, we were drilling this beautiful valley it's just beautiful, the trees and the way it's all cut and everything was green and, and it's just lush and it's just beautiful. You stand and you look away and you look down this thing and you just look and it says, man, there's no houses, no anything. It's just all farmland and it's just beautiful. And I was just standing there the whole time just looking. So beautiful. And then you just turn around this way and then you look at the little squalor this guy lives in, you know, and the hardship on the people's lives and the things going over oh, this way. Just forget you're in Guatemala. It's like, you know, it's like being in, looking at the Alps or something. I mean, it's just beautiful. And then you just turn this way, and there's this little squalor this guy lives in. But the little guy that lives in the squalor, I'm not so sure that he's not happier than a lot of people that I know. The dude's happy. That he was working on the job all day long with a big smile on his face, happy, going and doing everything. All he's done all his whole life is had a hoe in his hand and hoed since he was a kid. He is just like this rock. His forehead's that hard. His, his whole physique, his whole body is just like a rock. Any place you touch him is hard. He ain't got a soft spot on him. He's done nothing but hoe with a hoe all of his entire life. 
When I shook his hand, at first I was like, oh gosh, I kind of got gross to us. I'm like, because I thought his hand was completely dirty and I was like, what's it dirty with? And then I looked at his hand and realized his hand, it was his hands are that torn up and rough because he's never wore a pair of gloves in his life. And my dog's paw is smoother than that man's hands were. He's happy though. He's got him a wife, some kids out there in his little house, and he's happy. He's working for us. He's making more money he's ever made. He's just doing good. He's just the happiest little guy. And I was just looking at him like, you have nothing. And it goes to show you that money is not going to buy happiness. This dude was happy. This guy, man, he was joyful. He's got a little son that has got something wrong with his arm, and Bethany is kind of taking them all in. She found this, this, this family and just took them all in. He works for us now and does all of our, our farming for us and that we pay him really good, and he is just prospering. He is a happy guy. Kids gets blessed. He's always blessing his family and all. But what? It's not his circumstances and surroundings making him happy. It's inside something's making him happy. And we've got to come to the realize that, you know, I sat there and said, oh, thank you, Jesus, that I was born in Texas, and I grew up where I grew up, and how I grew up, and thank you, Lord, for this that I wouldn't like that guy. But then I had to stop and think, well, wait a minute. That little dude's pretty happy. But wherever you are, God created you to be here at this time in this season. You weren't supposed to be born in the Old West. If you were, you'd have been born in the Old West. You know, you weren't born in a different place. You were born here. You're here now. You may have been born somewhere else, but you're here now. God knows because he knows everywhere you're supposed to be, why? Why? Because he knows it's the two things, the most effective place you can be and the place where you can receive the most blessings. It's what God knows. He says, you're here for this reason. You need to thank God every day when you wake up that you're where you are. And he said, well, how do I know where I am? It's really where God wants to be because that's where you're at. Okay, next scripture. Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you is going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God has begun a good work in you, and he's not one to stop the work on you and not finish it. God leaves nothing undone. You know, in Mexico, when it's like that in Guatemala, that they, you know, if you don't finish the house, you don't start paying taxes on it. <clears throat> and that's why all the houses, you see, there's still some rebar up somewhere up the pole and whatever, and rebar sticking out because then you don't have to pay taxes on it. And so that's what they do. So nothing ever gets finished. But God didn't do that with you. He didn't leave some rebar sticking up in you. There's no unfinished pillar that's not going to get completed in your life. If there is an unfinished part, don't worry. He's going to work on it to get it finished. You're not going to leave planet Earth until everything is completed and finished until he's through with the work that he wants to do through you. Okay? And it says, being confident. Every day you need to get up and you need to pray and say, Jesus, I thank you today. I got confidence in you. The good work you started in me, you're going to finish it. The good work you started in my family, you're going to finish it, Lord. What you started in my children, you're going to finish it, Lord. I declare and I declare this day, I am confident of one thing today. I don't know how this whole day is going to go. I don't know how... What's going to happen? I don't want maybe throw my way, but one thing I'm confident in, the good work you started in me, you're going to finish it. Okay? Next scripture. 2 Corinthians 1.10. <clears throat> 2 
Go to 9. It says, yes, we had, sentence, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves. Now, you know, Paul's saying this. In other words, he's saying, you know, they were, they were, they were in such dire straits, being persecuted as an apostle. He said, I couldn't even trust myself because I didn't know what myself might think or what myself might do or what myself might say. So there's only one person I can trust in. I trust in God who raises the dead. Okay? Now go to 10. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us and whom we also trust that he still delivers us. In other words, he said, I, I'm paraphrasing it. He delivered me in the past. He's going to deliver me today. And he's going to deliver me in the future. There's this concept in America that, you know, you, 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 in your life process, you know, and all the, all the things you do, you know, you go through elementary school, you go through high school, you go through college, you get married, you have kids, you da-da-da-da, you make careers, you do all this kind of stuff, but then they come to this place where you're going to retire, okay? And you're supposed to come to this place, and it's, it drives you because you're supposed to get to the place where all of a sudden you've got enough money, you've made enough money, that all of a sudden you can retire. And if you can retire then you don't have to do anything anymore. You're just going to live the life of luxury. Right? Like he takes Sharon over there. <laughs> okay. Am I right, though? Is that not what the dream, is that not what the, the, um, the world throws out there? I, I, my, I was telling my wife that I, I really believe with all of my heart that there would be no migrants or whatever you want to call them, uh, caravans of people coming from other countries trying to get to the United States if there wasn't for American TV down there. Okay? And when you ha see American TV, how many of y'all know that what you see on TV is not real? Right? So that creates in the minds of people that if you came here to America, man, it is all, it's all just good. I mean, everything, there's just good around every corner. You just go around, there's money laying on the ground. I mean, it's just candy land, bless God. It's just the greatest thing in the world, right? And so what happens, and they come over here, you know, try to get here and find out it's not candy land. And we all know that because we know that even though you watch TV, it's not real. Nothing's real. It's all fake. Okay. Have you ever thought about this? You watch an old Western. I love old Westerns, man. There ain't nothing I love better than old Western movies. I watch the Western Channel all the time. I mean, that's all I, I live on watching that stuff, okay? But you know, folks, listen to me. Do you, if you would have lived in those days, it's tough. You're going out and getting a bucket of water out of the well, going to the outhouse out back, right? Can you imagine what it was like to be a pioneer woman in those days, riding a dusty old... You, wagons are not comfortable. There is a board you sit on while rumbling over the prairie. Right? And all you got to do is just get a hangnail and you could die. Right? So, it, you know, they make it all look like, a, oh, you're like Daniel Boone. Like, it's the greatest thing in the world. It just goes running through the woods all the time with this musket, you know, and I'm like, it's not really real, guys. I mean, this is not real. No matter what we look at there, it's still not real. It's television, okay? Well, you've got to understand something, that you can't live saying, 
You can't live saying, well, one time God did deliver me. You've got to be living to where you're saying, you know, God has delivered me in the past. And you've got to have some things down that you know God delivered you in the past. And you got to say, so then that would mean he is going to deliver me today. And I don't have to worry about retirement because my retirement is taken care of in the sense that God is always going to deliver me no matter what the situation or circumstance comes into. And if you live like that, then all of a sudden you're just totally dependent upon the Lord to do it. And the pressure goes, the, 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 the yak in your ear will quit, the lies will stop, because you quit listening. You quit listening. Now you're listening to us sitting around all day long saying, Lord, how many, I, <clears throat> so many thoughts that you can't number them about me today. What were you thinking? How could there be that many thoughts, Lord? Right? I mean, just think about it. An innumerable multitude of thoughts? And they were all good ones? <laughs> what no bad ones? I wish you'd have done that. Stupid kid. I've always tried to get him to do right. No. What no bad ones? It's all good ones. And if you start to live like that, folks, that's truly going to renew your mind. That's truly going to change your confession. It's truly going to begin to change your whole world, everything going around you. And the victory and the battles are going to be won. They all belong to the Lord. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, you know, you really got it made. You got it made. Well, praise God. If you need an offering on low, Bill will get you one. Blessings, blessings, blessings. Put your hand on your offering tonight. Let's bless it. Lord, I just praise you right now that you are a God who prospers us. And I just pray right now, Lord God, every person in here, that you prosper us in, in so many different ways. Lord, there's more ways to be prosperous than just finances. But I declare, Lord, we all got to have money to function with because we want to establish your covenant upon the face of this earth. So, Lord, I just thank you for abundance. I thank you for blessings. I thank you these are the most prosperous people on the face of the earth. And, Lord, everything that they put their hands to prospers them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.